We going live. We going live. We going live. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I appreciate you, man. I really appreciate you for coming on the red couch and burn. I got all the cameras set up. So even though it's virtual, I still got the cameras like you like you still here. It's crazy. That's bro. fire, bro. That's fire. I love it. Yo, I really appreciate you. You know what's crazy, man? A lot of people have been wanting to tap into the show tonight because they want to get on. They like, I want a record deal. I'm like, yo, calm down, bro. Calm down. Calm down. I know he's a platinum plaques on the wall in the back, plaques on the wall in the back. Ken Holiday is on the red couch with Burn, right? Yes, sir. That's You're here, baby. Here tonight. Platinum producer. All right, platinum producer. We're going to get into that in a, in a minute because I want to know how you get to be a platinum producer, right? Man that produced things from, for Keisha Cole. Keisha Cole? Seriously, though? I boot right. I want to know how you got into that. Wale, the man done produced things for NBA games, bro. What's that? NFL games. Yo, NBA uh, 2K, NBA 2K, Four. man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hold on, hold on. So, before we even get into the beginning and the book, how did that come about? I just want to just just get that before I forget. Nah, all love, all love. So, um, I was actually making producing uh, music for ESPN for quite some time. So, like, you know how you listen, you know, put on Sports Center and the highlights and stuff like that, and you hear. The music playing in the background. I was producing a lot of, of a lot of that music, and the music director. Shout out to the music director from ESPN, Kevin Wilson. He had called me up one day because he was teaching a course at a college. I think it was uh, New Haven uh, College uh, in Connecticut, and he's like, "Yo, I want you to be a panel. Come out, you know, speak to my students and this and that." Right? And I'm gonna tell you, it's a crazy story. And um, I know colleges got money. Yes, they got do. money, like big bags, and they be paying, you know, big money for people to come in and sit on panels and stuff. So the first question I asked him, I was like, yo, how much? Like, what, what, what are we talking? And he was like, yeah, there's no budget. This is, you know, just for me personally, you know, for my, for my class. And I'm kind of like thinking like, yeah, man, this is like a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour drive each way. You know, ain't no bag, ain't no gas money, man. I don't know about this. So I was like, ah, oh, I'll probably sit this out, right? Hang up the phone with him sat there for like 10 minutes and just checked myself. Like I, I had a conversation with myself and I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, this is the same guy that puts you on mad ESPN gigs. He put mad checks in your pocket. How dare you when he calls and asks for a favor for you not to, you know, give that favor and show love and be appreciative of all of the things this man has done for you musically. And that was a quick little, you know, self check I needed to have on myself. And I, I called him back. I was like, yo, what time do you need me to pull up? He said, you coming? I'm like, I'm coming. Pulled up, did the panel. It was amazing. Uh, he was like, yo, you know, and, and I got no crazy budget, but I want to take you guys to lunch. There's a Subway right across the street. You can pull up to that. I'm like, cool. I love Subway. Go to Subway. You feel me? You Dip that me? knife in the water. Subway when you ask. Subway, you like, yo, let me get. And they dip the knife in the water and they twirl it around and they cut it. Bro, y'all better wipe my knife off first. Stop playing. Yeah, that's bad, bro. <laughs> I, I know you was a freak. No, you definitely, I definitely, yeah, I definitely, I definitely appreciate that. Cause you're right. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that.
and and he starts talking and taking us off, of, you know, speaking of the panel, and he's like, yeah, man, I'm working on this theme song for uh, First Take. Listen, it's not my job with you familiar with the, sh- with the show, you know. Um, he's like, I'm working on this, you know, this theme song for First Take, and I'm having a hard time, like, getting in contact with Talib Kweli and Most Def. And I'm like, Talib, that's fan. One, I have, you know, produced records for Talib. Two, you know, my son's mom, some backgrounds went for him for like 10 years so i'm like that's like really really fam and i'm like yo i'll call him up connect you guys and i'm like yeah you know we haven't figured out yet i was like here we go i'll do the beat i'll connect y'all with talib quality boom 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 right and that's how that all came together right so now obviously talib quality and most stuff is not on theme song so there was some kind of differences creatively you know, where, you know, Talib will pick a beat, most stuff ain't like it. Most stuff will pick a beat, Talib ain't like it. So it was kind of going back and forth. It was taking too long. ESPN was like, but as you got time. Get past that part real quick. So you said that Talib didn't like the beat, and then most Def didn't like the beat, and Talib didn't like the beat the most. So that was different beats that was going back and forth? Yeah. yeah. And it was like ESPN, ESPN had picked out a number of my beats. That they love, and then you know, pass them on to Talib and Most Def for them to kind of collectively choose one that they okay. both love, and they was having like a hard time doing that, and it was taking a long oh, time. Oh. Yeah. Who, yo, who um, you? Who you? Wait, out of both of those artists, Talib and Most Def. Yeah. Did I put you on? Boy, you better answer that question. They watching. They gonna see it later. Um, <laughs> I've always Almost been dead. a fan of, of, of Quali, so I would choose Quali. I know a lot more of his music. I don't. I, I can honestly say I, I don't know a lot of most Def joints. I do love the records that both uh, for Black Star of what Quali and Most Def did together as a group. You know what I'm saying? They put out a Black Star album. I do love that. But so I don't know as much as I know. You know, I'm, 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 I think I'm more of a bigger fan of Quali than Most Def, respectfully. You know, my personal, my personal opinion. <laughs> Somebody said most deaf in the comments. We like we love most deaf too. We love most deaf too. We ain't though we ain't gonna hate on most deaf. Yo, I don't I don't even want to go on a tangent, but I will say I wanted to get that one little piece out, and hopefully I got that on my show first on how that came about. If I didn't, we're gonna get another exclusive. But anyway, we got your book, man. We got your book. And the book is, oh, got it out. That's right. Advertisement, folks. The That's story. True. Is the beat goes on. All right, so tell me what inspired this book. Um, what inspired? I always wanted to do a book. Um, you know, kind of like my life story, and because you know, first off, I'm, I'm really, I love, I'm, I'm really passionate about encouraging others and pushing people, you know, to chase and live their dreams. I've always been like that my entire life, especially ever since that. You know, I became successful in, in music. So it's something I've always done. I would go around to the different schools, colleges, elementary schools, high schools, any school, and just would love to speak to the students and encourage them to be great. You know what I'm saying? And um, I just wanted something tangible. I wanted something. Obviously, I'm leaving them with my words. But once I leave the building, that's that. It's up to them to be able to hold on to those words and what they heard that day. And, and let it really sink in. Um, but, you know, if you can go speak to a group of students like that or people in, in, in period and, and be a blessing to them and then leave them something that you can actually hand them that they can walk away and go home with 
and whatever they feel in any kind of moment or whatever they need to pick me up or or inspiration or motivation, they can open up this book. I just wanted to have something that 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 can that people can possess. Um, and it came about during the pandemic, very challenging time for okay. the whole entire world. Um, but with me being home, I had a lot of time, you know, to be able to put into this. You know, this takes a lot of time and energy. And with me traveling and being on the road and touring with Trey Songs and Dre's nightclub in Las Vegas and studio and creating, there's not enough time in the day to really get something like this done. So the pandemic was a blessing for me that I was able to get, you know, this amazing book done. Shout out to my co-authors, Trina, Stackhouse, Lynn Hobson. Couldn't have done it without those amazing queens um, for being by my side for this process. I'm writing a children's book too. I think I might have to get under your publishing. I don't know. You might have to. I'm, you're gonna have to tap in. I might have to call you, bro, because you know, I, pandemic did it to all of us. And I'm I'm so happy to hear that you was able to do something out of the pandemic. A lot of people were just sitting around doing nothing, and they were scared right. of that. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. Nah, you wasn't gonna die. You better do something now because life is right. changing. Oh, we in the metaverse. You know, we in the metaverse. All these damn cameras around, and you ain't. And that's where we that's where we at. Yo, bro, in your in your bio, right? In your bio, you spoke about your mother keeping you away from the corner or your parents keeping you away from the corner. Describe the corner for me and where was that corner? Um, so I'm from I'm from 169th and Washington Avenue. So, you know, they call my block the nine. Um you know, uh-huh. and, 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 and and not necessarily everyone that stood on the corner. Oh, yeah, nine. Right, right. You got it. <laughs> not the number nine, the nine. Um, okay. You know, and, and not necessarily everybody that stood on the corner represented negativity or something bad. It was just some, you know, sometimes there were dudes that was from the hood, from the block that would just stand on the corner. And then you had, you know, the other, the other dudes that stood on the corner. And as a youngin. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand, you know, what they were really doing as they stood in the corner. I just knew that the dudes standing in the corner, they was outside all day. They were dressed black, you know. They would have the dopest whips and the dopest gear and the fresh. And, you know, every now and then a bunch of chicks would pull up and, and, and play the corner with them. So I just looked at them as the cool boys, you know what I'm saying? And I wanted to be a part of the cool boys. But, you know, my parents was like, no way. You're definitely going to school. You're going to do what you need to do. You're going to stay off the corner. You're going to stay off the streets. And you're gonna be something, you know. It looks cool, it looks appealing, you know, but it ain't it ain't what it seems. And you know, that's that's how it was growing up for me and my siblings. Chicks come, chicks come later. They always used to tell me the chicks come later, right? I ain't listening though. I ain't gonna lie, I did not listen. None of us listen. None of us listen. <laughs> but but I will tell you this though, and you, the women that were nerds back then in high school. Don't they look good as hell now, don't they? You're absolutely right. Hell! absolutely right. The ones that was popular that everyone, everybody wanted to be like, they look twisted now, don't they? Begging for change. Get your ass up out of here. Right? <laughs> that's, Yo, that's my that's some that's some real talk though, bro. Like, I mean, obviously not for everyone. There's still you know some of the ones that still on fire that still look great. But like exactly. you said, the one there's some ones that we would we would would have never given a chance to back then in school or you know like you said had the glasses on and wasn't really fly or or didn't really come you know come to at that time and just you know now as as adults you're like oh <laughs> oh. Bird. Yo, you know what I mean? This is listen. This show 
this show is trending topics and relationships. So I get some of that stuff out of people every now and then. Because, yo, there's a couple of people that's tapped in, a couple of ladies that's on my Facebook that was like, yo, I can't wait for this show to drop. Because they saw you on the fly and they was like, oh, they like a little curly hair and all that. You know what I'm saying? That shit you got or whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever. You know what I mean? Well, you know, um, how was it, how hard was it for you to stay away from the corner, though? Honestly, um, you know, my my parents were the type of parents that would embarrass your ass if, you know, they told you to come upstairs, you know, you come upstairs or if they caught you on the corner. So I ain't ain't one of that smoke, you know what I mean? So it it wasn't too bad, man. I, I, I fell in love with music. Playing drums and being a musician, you know, playing at school, playing at church, you know, and that's that's kind of the way I wanted to be, you know what I mean? So, like I said, the corner looked appealing. I did want, you know, kind of want to get outside, and I was definitely into sports back in the day, baseball, football, basketball, so I did that. But, you know, as much as, as appealing as the corner looked, I knew it wasn't for me. You know, I didn't. I knew that it was something that they had that I didn't have. You know, I didn't, I didn't you know, being protected all my life, I didn't really have the street smarts. I don't really have a gift of gab. I don't really have that's them spidey senses. So if I did play the corner and, and got into that, I'll probably be the first one call. <laughs> I'm snitching and put them goddamn donuts in that coffee yeah. in front of you. That soda. <laughs> that's a, it's a it ain't for me. Like you gotta, you gotta know when it's not for you. That's definitely not. The streets is not for everybody, man. Let me tell you, it's not for everybody. You end up in the wrong place. And you could also be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and a lot of things could happen to you. You know, nowadays, um, music has changed. Music has changed. Um, and, and I say it's a cycle. It always, to me, this is, watch, watch my theory. It goes from street to dance to street to dance to street to dance. This is how it this is how it goes. I think about the dairy now, right? You got the 80s was dance, then you had mm-hmm. was street, then you had right after that a little bit like you had Puffy put on a shiny suit, was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. And then right after that, everybody was tired of that, no more shiny suit. Bop, bop, bop. I'm gonna kill somebody. Bam. And then you had the South came and was like, yo, let's turn up. And then they turned it up to some dance or whatever, whatever. And then right after that came the Chicago drill scene. And what you mm-hmm. see now in the New York. Now, watch what's going to happen now. You had Drewski coming out like, yo, I'm not playing uh, uh, um, the drill drill music no more. Right. I don't know if you... If you yeah, I saw that article. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that article. And I think more uh, producers and more... DJs should follow that trend. I'm tired of seeing these kids killing each other. And then the thing is, like, it's like they're snitching on themselves through the music, and that's what makes it popular. And then a deep gonna play it. You know, I don't. You know, I'm not knocking nobody's music in the way that they do it. I just feel like let's just scale it back a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I I don't. I don't want to see too many of us dying. Right. the corners now are not what they used to be. So that's, you know, tying it into the street corner that you saw when you were growing up 
and the street corner that we see, there is no more corner. The corner is the internet. Right. Right. That's the corner. The corner is Facebook, folks. The corner is um, Instagram. The corner is, um, what's it called that? Snapchat. Right. That's crazy, right? That's the new yeah. corner. You're right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that you escaped that and you're doing your thing. You, you went on tours. Um, I see that you went on some of the biggest tours ever. And I also see that you had a long stretch, like a long run with Chris Brown. Like you produced a lot of hits with Chris Brown. How was it like working with Chris Brown? Man, legendary. Um, I remember, you know, and, and, and just to tell a story of how it came about, like we were on tour um, and my, my homie Lonnie Burrell, amazing artist, uh, singer, songwriter, he was singing backgrounds for Monica. And Monica was on a tour co-headlining with Trey. Um, I think it was a Passion, Pain, Passion uh, uh, Pain and Pleasure tour, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's the tour. Um, and my boy Lonnie was singing backgrounds for Monica, and he was like, yo, I'm flying to L.A. We had a break on tour, and he's like, yo, I'm flying to L.A. I'm going to pull up in the studio with Chris Brown. Um, you know, I know you got some heat. You know, make me a CD, and when I go out there, I'll give it to him. You know, now, you know, you, you've been a part of the game for a long time, man. People say stuff like that all the time, and, you know, yeah, yeah, they, don't really, they don't really make it happen. But I've always been the one to be optimistic and would just, you know, Call someone's bluff. So I made the CD, gave the CD. He went to LA. You know, I went back home in New York, and then we, you know, the twelve came back together. We connected, and boom, we out there, right? And he mm -hmm. like, yo, I gave CB a CD. You know, let's see what happens. And a few months later, yo, like he really, you know, he really gave him the CD, man. And him and Chris and, and Tiger was doing a well done mixtape. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and creating records for that, and that's how the first song came together that, you know, uh, produced for uh, Chris Brown. Uh, um, it was uh, Wonder Woman on uh, Tiger's Well Done mixtape, and that was the start of everything. And then after that, it all, you know, took off where this, the record I did with Jay Lee, same girl, you know, Chris Brown wrote <laughs> Justin Bieber, Christmas Eve. Okay. You can't be skipping past the J-Lo moment. Hold on. Let me ask this. Have you been in the studio with J-Lo? So, I haven't been in the studio, I mean, another story, I haven't been in the studio with J-Lo, but when working on that song, she actually called me, um, and I remember, I remember banging the phone on her. <laughs> My hand would have been shaking like this, I would go, J-Lo, somebody hold the phone for me. I... Bruh, she called, <laughs> and I definitely hung up, because I thought it was somebody playing on my phone, bro. Because I'm like, why would uh, call me directly? Like, why wouldn't it be like her team or like her manager or like her A&R telling me what to do? It's like her herself. And I'm like, she's like, yeah. And, I, you know, I knew it was her when she started talking about the song. And she's like telling me the different parts and what she wants taken out and what she wants added. And I'm like, yo, this is really her, bro. Like, this is crazy. And, you know, for me, me, me being from the Bronx, that's a hometown hero right there. That's, that's, a, that's a Bronx legend. Now, it's, it's, which, which is, you know, she's a national worldwide legend. But. She a Bronx legend first, so that conversation is really dope creatively. She's like, yo, I'm shooting a video in, in, in the Bronx, you know, pull up on me, come through. And that's when I had the opportunity to meet her, pull up to the video shoot. She's like walking around, no security, like in the Bronx, just, just doing the video. And I'm you like, said, mm. no security? None, bro. None. In the Bronx, on Grand Concourse, like straight shooting the video. I'm like... For me to have produced for over 100 artists, I might have named like 20. So there's still like a neat, at least another good 80 
that I probably haven't named. And I feel sorry. Okay, think of Keisha, uh, uh, Mike Jones, Slim, Slim Thug, Paul Wall, The Game, um, Marcus Houston, Marion, Lloyd. Uh, maybe there's so many, bro. Joe Button, Maya, um, The Locks, uh, G Unit, 50, Lloyd Banks. Uh, Yo, what Cam, is it? Jew, uh, Jim Jones. What is, what is Dan? That's crazy. What does it feel like, right? Check this out. What does it feel like to be in the club or like maybe in a restaurant or whatever it might be and hear something that you produce? What does that feel like? It's crazy, bro. It's, it's, it's really humbling. It's, it's an amazing experience. I remember being in Australia. In Australia, mm-hmm. they're on a different time zone. So right now it's like nighttime and in New York and over there it's daytime, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I, you know, I, when I sleep in my hotel rooms, I always keep the TV on cause that's like my, that's like my, my roommate. You know what I mean? I don't like, you know, now I'm a little better with it, but before I would just have a TV on and cool, go to sleep with the TV. I remember waking up one morning in Australia, uh, and I had ESPN on and what woke me up was me hearing the theme song <laughs> that I produced on ESPN in Australia, and it was such a legendary moment, because I'm like, not even knowing that ESPN is in Australia, so I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, so that was definitely, you know. They call nobody, like, yo, turn them into, oh, damn, y'all not in Australia right now, y'all can't turn on the TV, so that ain't work out. I don't know, like, yo. Right, I definitely started You know what I mean? 
been been in the room with Trey. Jim Jones is upstairs. Or Trey was in, comes down. We press play to hook that Trey did on one of my beats. And Jim's just like, yo, I need this record. And goes in the studio right then and there and starts recording. Forgets about the session that he had upstairs. We forget about the session that we had and just create this whole other record. You know what I'm saying? So I've got moments like that where records come you. together. So, not because you gonna sit up here and tell me you chilling with Mr. Trey Songs himself. Mr. <laughs> is where they're gonna be singing and shit. The chicks be going crazy over this thing. You chilling with this thing all the time. You gonna sit up here and tell me you ain't had no crazy moments. I know you had some crazy moments chilling with your boy Trey. Listen, on on tour and find some studio like on off nothing. Studio, that man is focused. Like, okay. Studio, you don't play no games. Like, now, when we talk about tour. Okay. So, so before you say that, before, before, you get into, before you get into the touring, so you're saying that Trey Songs, when he's in the studio, he's focused. Ain't no chicks coming in, putting stuff in his face, wilding out, bugging out. Taking them all focus. Not, not in the sessions. Not in the sessions I've been in. And you know, and, and, and I share all jokes aside, I'll share this. You know, we're in a, a technology era, right? Where it's not like what it used to be. So when I came up, you know, twenty plus years in the game as a producer, you had to go into the studio with the artist. You had to go in and play beats and, and make joints from scratch and just really build. Um, but I can say. You know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, all of that, all of that changed when technology, you know, was invented. Pro Tools and the fact that artists were able to demo records on their own and not have to go into the studio with you. So, a lot of my biggest records weren't created with me being in the actual studio with those artists. Like, I'm going to say this to you, Burn, and you're going to lose it, and you'd never believe me, but it's the truth. Me and Chris Brown probably have about forty to fifty songs together. I seen released that. and I seen unreleased. That. Right? Released and unreleased. Been in the studio with Chris Brown ever. Wow. Uh, and I don't that say goes that proudly. You know, obviously, I would love to be hands right. on and be in the lab and creating magic with that legend because he's, man, one of the illest of our time, bro. Like, the best, one of the best hands down of our era. So I would love to be in the same room and see how those some of those records come about or when I first press play to see what his reaction is creatively and starts putting the pen to the pad. But I've never, ever, ever, ever been in a lab with Chris. So when you ask me those questions, you know, it probably would have been some of those moments if, you know, I was actually there in the studio. But a lot of those records that were created with all of the artists that I pretty much mentioned was, you know, I'm sitting in the music dude, they doing their own thing. Sometimes I hear the records when the world hears it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it'd be like that sometimes. Wow. Wow. Now, I don't even want to go into too much advice, but, you know, now that we're talking about that, because you're since you're in a separate area from the artist, while the artist is making their you're making your music, how does the paperwork part go um, when, when it comes to that? I know a lot of people don't talk about this, but we're going to talk about it because this is the red couch, and a lot of my friends are rappers, you know, you know that. And a lot of a lot of my friends are artists and, and, and upcoming and people that are out there already. How 
do they go about getting their paperwork together when it comes to producing and making music um, as far as copywriting and putting music out in distribution? Right. Um, so I've been able to see both sides from, you know, again, 20 plus years ago versus now. Totally different, two different animals. Um, back then, it was, it was physical, physical copies, cassette tapes, you know, CDs. You know, now that's kind of been like pushed to the side and now you have streaming and, you know, uh, Tidal and, and Apple Music and Spotify and all of those different things. So it's two different, completely different worlds. I think what's most important for creators is, is, is one, if you're an artist um, mm -hmm. and producer, is, is when you go into the studio or if you're not, if you create music online separately, one, know who the producers are of the tracks. Two, make sure you're in contact with the producer of the tracks, right? A lot of the artists are taking beats off of YouTube and just taking beats from all the kind of different places and not aware of who actually produced those songs and they're, and they're releasing those songs without really having any real ownership of it or not having the blessing of those producers. What's the downside of that? Sorry to cut you off and throw that in there, but what's the downside of... Everything. Because um, it, it don't belong to you, right? And you can have... You having that song out with that particular producer and 50 other artists having that song out with, a, you know, having the same beat, having different songs to that. And it's like, how do you eat when there's so many people, you know, sharing this one beat? And that's why I'm kind of not of a fan of leasing beats. You know, people ask me, do you lease beats? And it's like, nah, bro, I sell beats. So if you buy a beat, that beat is yours and, and me and you own that. So when we release it, there's only one song in the world with that beat versus 20 songs with that one beat. So... That's kind of another area where I feel like it's not cool with music today. You know what I mean? Do you think, do you think the lease beats um, era or, or the whole idea of leasing beats kind of kills the game for producers a little bit? Big time. You got to think, a producer like myself, right, who has a name and a resume, right? I can, because of my name and my resume and what I've done musically throughout, throughout my career, I can charge you at a certain. I can charge you certain fees that make 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 you be like, oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, because of what I've done, I'm able to do that, right? So, let's say the producer that does not have a name and a resume for him or herself, and is just is just happy to be here. I might let you use the beat for free. I might let you use the beat for twenty dollars. I might let you use the beat for a hundred dollars, thirty dollars, five dollars. Can't do that with a king. Yeah, you can't do that with a king. I'm a day speed. I'm a I'm a tax you, bro. <laughs> like I'm a tax you. Yeah. Straight up and yes, down. It is not the same, right? You know, and I'm not doing that to arm you. I'm not doing that, you know, to, to take advantage of it. I'm doing that because you have Amadeus on your song. Like and, and, and when you Google Amadeus, if those that are not familiar. You know, a, a bunch of pages is going to come up with the work that's done. And, and that earned me the right to be able to charge you whatever I feel is the proper rate to charge you. And again, I don't I don't take advantage of people. So if you're an up and coming artist and you're indie, I'm not going to charge you what I would charge an artist signed to a record label because they have a bank behind them. This might be what you use. You know, you might work a nine to five. You might got an investment from your moms, you know, so your rate will be different from them. But I'm still going to catch you. It ain't going to be free ninety nine. So as far as so as far as the paperwork goes, what do you think the first step is um, that an artist should uh, do to uh, after they record their song or after they get their song made or while they're recording their song? What is the first step? 
Split sheets. Split sheets is very important, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain what it is. A split sheet is basically giving you a breakdown of, of from a percentage standpoint on who owns the song, right? So just to give you an example, I'm the producer, you're the artist, we're in the studio, right? I made the beat, uh, so right off the rip, I made the beat, I get 50% of that, you know, 100% of a song. You're the artist, you know, you're writing the song, you get, you know, 50% of that song, so that's the 100% of the song. I got 50, you get 50, right? Now, I'm going to give you different scenarios. Say it again, say that again. And I always tell, was 200%, but they're like, how do you get 200%? I'm like, yeah, because it's it's the writer's share and the publisher's share. Right. So but, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you broke that down. You know what I'm saying? Technically, it's 100. But now, because when I say it, it's like, oh, he think he know everything. But we talk, king, I'm a dance right now. So, mm, damn, like I'm not yeah, Burn, burn. I know what you're talking about. Burn, I know what you're talking. Yup. From the writer's share, there's 100. percent And then from the publisher's share, you know, there's 100. percent You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you're absolutely right. So again. I gave you an example of if me and you were producing, you know, creating a record, I produce it solely, you wrote it solely, 50 you, 50 me, right? So now let's give another example, right? I'll use me as a producer, still use it as the artist. I sampled the stylistics, right? The stylistics come in and say, hey, we want 25% of the song because you sampled our beat. Now, I now have 25%. The stylistics has 25%. You still have your 50, right? So that's an example of me as a producer sampling the sample owners wanting a percentage of the song because I've sampled them. Now I'm going to give you another example. And then hold on. And that's, I'm gonna the, give it ex- that's a percentage amount that you gave. That's, that doesn't necessarily mean right. that feed on that shit because you never know. Right. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've got into situations where the artist that I sampled will want a hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Of of the producer share. Meaning so my fifty percent that I would originally have owned, if you know the artist wants to use it, you know, now and I'll give I'll say maybe Al Green. Al Green might want fifty percent, a hundred percent of the producer share. So he might take fifty percent of my side. Your side will be fine, so you'll get your fifty, but Al Green will be eating a hundred percent off the publishing. On this song, I will be eating nothing from a publishing standpoint. Now, most people would ask, so why do it? Depending on the song. You know, for instance, I still get to put on my resume that I produced this this, this record for the game or whoever, and it still goes on my resume. I might have the hottest song of the year with this song. I'm not using that record. So I've never been one to say no to a situation based off of publishing and you know sample want to take 100 on the publishing i'm always let's put the record out let's put the record out and let's see what happens that's that's good advice and you know for the people that's watching i know that y'all really wanted to hear that so i want five dollars from to watch this shit no i'm just playing we we gonna we gonna send we gonna send half of that to amadeus check, <laughs> check this out You've been on a lot of big platforms, right? A lot of big, big, big platforms. Um, and especially a lot of night shows and, and day shows. And I saw that you was on Jimmy Kimmel, bro. Oh. You was on... Yeah, a few times. A few times. A few times. 
What the hell you was doing on Jimmy Kimmel? Tell us about that experience, brother. I mean, I, I can't even take full credit, man. That's that's the homie Trey songs, you know what I'm saying? And, and shout out to Trey for, you know, allowing me to be his music director and putting the, putting the live band together. Uh, again, we've been touring for close to 15 years now. Um, and he's been one that's on some like, yo, my band, if my band can't do it, I ain't doing it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so for like Jimmy Kimmel and Ronald Park, um, we did The View and we did a, a Wendy Williams. We, we've done a lot of different shows and opportunities and, 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 and if the powers that be would allow us to be there, you know, he would take the band, man. So we performed on Jimmy Kimmel quite a few times, maybe about four or five times on different shows. Did you get um, it always a dance with Jimmy? Huh? Did you get a chance to hate, shake hands with uh, Jimmy Kimmel? I mean, from afar, you know, you know, he introduces the yeah. artist and they perform and he comes back at the end and kind of, so just, you know, kind of a salute type thing because it always sucks for me because I'm always in the back behind the drums. So sometimes my fellow, my, my yeah. brothers, my other, my, my my band members, who's out more in the forefront, can kind of get that hands on. But you know, when we being behind the drums, man, no in the back, big you know, back there, man. I've seen you. I've I've been at a couple of concerts in the cut. You know, I know a couple of stars, so I've been in the backstage, or whatever. And I seen you on the drums. I was like, ah, nobody's nobody's saying anything to him. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Let me tell you something. I'm put like this, Bird. I'm put like this. And that, and I love that you broke you know broke that up. And I know you know I know it's all love. I know it ain't no shot, man. You know That's, what I'm saying? You my brother. I'm um, a cam- cameraman, right? So you know, uh, literally, like I'm I'm with everybody, but nobody sees me though. I'm the cameraman though. I can be the flyest dude in the room, but I'm the cameraman though. I don't get no love, but I'm making these pictures happen though. I'm the reason why y'all. That's like, what I'm saying. Like you, most important, you right. capture moments. You capture so what, moments. You capture up from off that drum set. If you got up and moved, there's no more music. If the right. it leaves the party, there's no more capturing. Words right out of my mouth, my brother. We the heartbeat, you know. You know, and 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 obviously the show can't go on, but it won't be the same without the drums. You know, without without the moments and the memories of whatever the situation is being documented by you. You know what I mean? It's, 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 and, and I love that, you know, just to, just to give you your love and, and your flowers, bro. Like think about it, right. As we look at this book, right. That's actually me on the cover as a, as a kid. Like that's the pictures that my mom and dad took, you know what I'm saying? So imagine if they didn't take, you know, these pictures, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be able to see the moments so that was there. When I was a little kid, this, this is when this is when I got my first drum set, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, so for me to be able to go back and relive those moments just shows you how important the camera is, and for you to capture those moments for those artists and those celebrities that you work alongside with, bro. Like, salute you, bro. Like, salute you, because you know when you perform when you do a show, you know after the show is done and everybody's is all hyped and you know the show is thing, all right, cool. The first thing you do is go to your tour bus or your hotel room. And you're looking back at the at the footage of those moments. You know what I'm saying? So you play a very key role in the life of all of us as creatives, bro. So, you know, you know thank you for you, all you do with that camera. Yes, sir. I tell people I live everything twice, right? I live everything twice. So home and I got to edit the footage and I got to edit the photos. So now y'all done seen all that shit. I got to see it again. And especially if you want me to redo something, I gotta see that again. So, right. Know, 
I, I try, man. I really get in there, but yo, listen, you try, I, I got like, yo, you know, thanks, bro. I got a couple of other questions before we get off this live, right? So these questions are like really simple, but these are things that a lot of people want to know and that I want to know. So it's really simple, right? Like, so you're playing the drums, right? You're playing the drums heavy. I've seen you play the drums. That shit looks crazy to me. I don't know how to play the drums. So I can go tap, tap, boom, boom. That's it, right? Do your hands ever hurt after playing a long goddamn um, concert? They hurt? Bad. Real bad. Oh, bad. Real bad. Like, oh. like, like, like blisters. Like, I got, yeah, you pipe, yeah, you see it? There you go. All that, all that, yeah. all that. That's blisters. Because like, I was so under, yeah, they definitely hurt. Used to it. That, that shit is like, tap, tap, tap. It's nothing to you. So your, your hands actually hurt. Real bad. Like, real bad to the point where oh. sometimes I came and gripped. Grip the sticks and Yo. hold on to the sticks no more. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's pause. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> wow, I gotta that gotta be a separate clip because you know people don't understand. That's because I've seen. All right, so now just to elaborate on that. Right, so the harder you do that, right there is the more. It's not so much. It's not so much how hard you're playing. Mm-hmm. And and this, it's gonna sound a real weird pause, but I pause it right. It's, it's more stuff of, of the drumsticks because you, you know it's 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 slipping out of the inside out of your hand pause and the sweat, you know. So it's rubbing on your hands, which is creating you know the calluses and creating what's on your hand. Like if you if you touch all of this part of my hand, it's like super rough. Like the well, palm of my hands, it's, it's it's nice and soft, but like all around here is. It's rough. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's not, again, it's not about how hard you're hitting that's making your hands hurt. I, that part I'm used to. I think it's how long you're playing. Most shows are about an hour, you know, an hour and a half. So just think about if you're writing a, a paper, you know what I'm saying? And you're writing for an hour, how that feels. Just think about if you're typing on a computer for an hour, how that feels. Obviously, your hand starts clamping up. Your hand starts, you know, getting a little tight, a little tense. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when you're playing drums. You know, you're holding on to drumsticks for an hour, uh, two hours, sometimes an hour and a half. You know, going around hitting different things and the vibration of your drums and different things. Yeah, made me feel it just now when you did like because that's what y'all be looking like. <laughs> oh, that's yo nah. Listen, I'll be here making beats on the on the piano. My fingers be hurting from doing that. So right. So imagine, imagine an hour and a half. It's just—it's crazy. The second part. When you love it, when you it, love it, you know, when you love it, 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 it's worth the pain. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's worth the pain because on the other side of the stage, there's people that are, you know, lined up and standing and, and sitting and, you know, wanting to experience that experience of say, whatever the show you're giving. You know? It's worth the pain. I'm going to say it's worth the money because after that shit, I'll be like, you, I might not be able to take the money because my hand is all messed up, but. Give me that right there. <laughs> 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 my but I want my money. We're going to count it later. Right. <laughs> oh, but now, check it. Second part of that question is, have the drums ever flew out of your hand during a, like, a special performance? Like, this performance was so big, you was doing your thing, blah, 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 bang, 
and it and you like, oh, oh yeah. I'm super clumsy. So yeah, I, I, I drop the sticks all the time. When did that happen? When when has that happened? Every show. Every show. Not one show that I haven't dropped. The so you can definitely. But when does it feel like like give me give me give me one one time where you was at a Trey Songs concert and you was playing the drums and that drum flew and you like what happened? Nothing. Just pick just just try to either try to find it or pick up the next drumstick and keep going or play. Oh. I played songs with one hand. You be having. You know what I'm saying. You a cheetah. You be having extra drumsticks on the side. They got a little. Nah, man, you gotta you gotta be prepared, man. Because first of all, the amount of drumsticks that I break while I'm playing is a whole other conversation. Oh. So I gotta have them on deck. I have you know ample sticks on deck because I can I can I can break a drumstick on the first song. You know what I'm saying? Being excited, being hyped up. You know, and and, and just going off, bow, snaps in half, and. You know, playing with one hand, grab the other stick, you know, that's there, that's ready to go. I got drum techs that, that hand me drumsticks while I'm playing, so, yeah, man. You ain't never run out? No, can't do that. <laughs> Imagine that you start playing with your fingers. <laughs> just, just like, yo, like, listen, yo, listen, my camera broke one time and I had to, I, I was faking like I was taking pictures. But the crazy thing was, I already took all of the pictures I needed to take for the night. Nice. And only till a certain time. I was like, yo, listen, I'm going to have to act like this shit working right now. You know, been no situation where you had to use your fingers instead of them drums, bro. No, I, def- I definitely I definitely have to use my fingers, so that, that's a good thing. But I've broken drums and put holes in drums and, you know, it just is like, that's just it. Like, it's not, that's, you know, finish out the show. And replace the drum heads or replace the drum part uh, if, if I didn't have a, a, an additional part for it. So I had to do that and kind of play without it. I broke the kick drum and couldn't had to play without the kick drum. Or I broke, put a hole in the snare and kind of Yo. had to use other drums in order to, to make up for that part. Yeah, man. All, all kind of stuff happens on so the list, man. And you just got to be able to push on. Listen, we definitely going to need a part two for this podcast because you know this is a podcast too. A lot of people, you know, they only see the YouTube. They only see the the, the videos and stuff like that. We all over the place. We on Spotify. We on iTunes. We everywhere. Right? Nice. Proud of you, King. Part two because I really want to break down the art of drumming. Okay. I want to I wanna break down the art of drumming. And no one's no one's done that with me. No one's yeah. done that. No, we've not, I've, not, I've never had that conversation. So um, we've, we've in. That's what the red couch is for. I'm tapped in the art of drumming. And yo, you know what's crazy? I got an idea for you that might be a second book, but we ain't gonna talk about it right now. Everybody gonna be like, "Oh, that's nice," and write that shit down too and try to run with it. But I'm just saying though, like the art of drumming, definitely because um, you see the question that I'm asking you when it comes to. A lot of people don't know about that guy that's sitting back there, but hands down, leaving, going home, baby, I'm sorry, we can't do nothing tonight, because I (laughs) can't feel my hands. I can't grab you the way, that's okay, baby, it's all right. Well, all right, baby. That's when you know your wife truly loves you. When you when your shit is all messed up and she still wants you to feel on her, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yo, listen, you guys, I thank everybody for tuning in. I'm Adeus. I thank you for being a guest on my show. This is the first show in the virtual series. A lot of people's like, "Yo, wow. virtual shows," because I normally have everybody sitting on the couch with me. Yes, sir. 
Doing the virtual series. I really appreciate you. Red Couch with Bird. Y'all need to tap in. Go to the YouTube. Red Couch with Bird. Go to the Instagram. Red Couch with Bird. Go to the Twitter. Red Couch Bird. Type it in. Search for it on Spotify. Red Couch with Bird, the podcast. Amadeus, how can we find you? Definitely, man. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Amadeus PBM. Once again, on IG, Amadeus PBM, excuse me. On Twitter, producer Amadeus, uh, or you can check out my website, www.imkingamadeus.com. Once again, that's www.imkingamadeus.com, which is where you can get your signed copy of the book. Go get it. I'm listen, man. Bestsellers. I'm trying to get on this bestsellers list, man. So I need the love. 